to Dear Legal Ops, the podcast tackling tough topics impacting today's evolving legal operations community anonymously. This podcast is made for and by the Legal Ops community. So grab that glass of wine and get comfy as we share stories from the Legal Ops community aimed at digging deeper to find and release your inner brilliance, personally and professionally. Hey, y'all. Welcome to another episode of Dear Legal Ops. I'm your host, Tom Stevenson. On today's episode, we'll order a cup of coffee and get crazy and cuckoo over CLMs while drowning our diversity dilemmas in a daiquiri with Debbie. And yes, she's from Dallas. We'll dig deeper and scratch past the hottest buzzword within corporate legal departments and give that TLDR advice on the tumultuous troubles that CLM has taken on our legal operations novices. But first, grab that glass and get comfy as we dig deeper into Dear Legal Ops. Our first letter today comes from Dallas. Debbie does diversity rights. Dear Legal Ops, at our last team offsite, we pledged to take on more diversity initiatives as an in-house legal team. But the thing is, it's hard to know what steps to take when your corporate law department all look, talk, and graduated from the same top tier law school. Do you have any practical advice about the dirty and often contentious topic of diversity, inclusion, and equity? And how can I be a part of the solution when I don't consider myself diverse? Well, Debbie, in Dallas, the diversity of your inner self shines through most at work when you're your authentic self. Look, everybody has that one coworker, you know, the single-minded one, that coworker who, no matter if it's at that daily stand-up or you're in those team meetings, always finds a way to make the answer what he, she, or they single-mindedly think about. Newsflash. I'm that coworker. And the thing is, us single-minded individuals, we're talking about increasing diverse topics within our legal operations profession that push the boundaries personally and professionally. But for me, single-mindedness about increasing awareness about the value of legal operations was not about taking a role with legal operations in the title. Look, it was about the years of hard work, hundreds of rejections, and knowing that I could add value to a profession yet untapped that turned me into the coworker I am today. There were a lot of rejections, And it often felt as though, okay, maybe legal operations isn't for me. But in actuality, what it taught me years later and now launching Dear Legal Ops is there's a lot of power in that single-mindedness. So I spend a lot of time in deep conversations with legal leadership and company executives. And often those conversations unknowingly turn to diversity, inclusion, and equity initiatives. But after a few of these conversations, I've come to a conclusion, maybe a little controversial, but I believe that legal operations is in a prime position to do something revolutionary for our greater legal ecosystem. Now I get it. I am a white male, but diversity is bigger than race. And racism is bigger than where we are today in the United States. 
What if we, as a legal operations community, banded together to take actionable items to get a single-mindedness initiative about the importance of diversity, inclusion, and equity off the ground and running within our legal profession? But the question is, girl, how am I supposed to make it happen? I mean, at this point, it seems like it would be a no-brainer. A little bit like, you know, swiping right on your favorite dating app and realizing, hmm, this looks like the same five X's as before. I've become my mother. Yet waiting for your best friend to scream, you in danger, Molly. You see, the data's already there. My legal operations team today comes from such a diverse background. I have a recovering lawyer with the drive and always prepared to soak it up who will no doubt rise to the top of our industry as a thought leader. A technology nerd, hungry data guru who was just looking for an opportunity to shine in corporate America after being told no on more than one occasion. And finally, my unsung mama bird operations officer who's responsible for the infrastructure and assurance that all things brick and mortar legal operations are leveraged. But I wouldn't have been able to put that team together if it wasn't for remembering the important lessons that I learned from my mentor, who always tried to embrace diversity, inclusion, and equity initiatives. His name is Bob Benjamin, one of the greatest corporate reorganization attorneys out there. Look, I can rattle off his CV, but let's start with this. He was a founding member of the Assyrian American Bar Association. And there were obvious differences between me, the paralegal, and my equity partner, Bob, in our downtown Chicago law firm. And it's just not that 40-year age gap, height differential, or the fact that he was called Papa Bear. He was a big man, snuggly with a warm heart. What I took the most from my mentor, Bob, is to model and promote development through coaching at all levels, and also encourage that diverse and thought-leading skill sets that allow employees to act within the mission of their firm or organization. That's where the diversity, inclusion, and equity rubber meets the road. So with this in mind, find your mentor, coach your team, build your programs. Leaders should have a roadmap of how to build a supportive workplace with resources readily available so that being, quote, inclusive doesn't feel like just another burden. After all, we are here at Dear Legal Ops to help inspire and train the next generation of leaders to carry on. And remember the importance of taking on that hungry paralegal with bad acne in downtown Chicago prepared to soak it up. You'll never know how much you shaped my career, Bob, and I hope to pass this along to my team as well. As we talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion, they're just hot topics at the forefront of our legal operations profession. While we've recently seen strides in these DEI efforts, you know, ESGs, that's environmental, social, and governance initiatives, really the overall ecosystem has been slower as a whole to make its way onto that corporate agenda. You rarely see it first in line and often see it cut when budgets are shrinking. But good news legal operations can play a key pivotal role in continuing to bring these important diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives to the forefront 
so we can help assist our companies in navigating issues surrounding these complex challenges. I know, been rambling on for a while, so let's get to it. What are some of those tangible action items needed for legal operations professionals to get more involved and help move that needle so that we as in-house legal teams can finally embrace and be proud of diversity, inclusion, and equity initiatives? One, hello, reach out to your network and ask them what diverse initiatives they are participating in. You've all seen it here before. You have LinkedIn, you have your friends, you meet at conferences. We are secretly texting each other saying, hey, are you going to that December vendor party put on by X, Y, or Z? And if you're looking for where you can jump in when it comes to these diverse initiatives, here are some that come to mind at the forefront of Dear Legal Ops. The Mansfield Rule Certification. It's put on by Diversity Lab, and it really helps to ultimately diversify the power structure of law firms and legal departments through, you know, appointments, elections, and promotions to influential leadership committees and roles. And then two, Justice Bid. They're doing some amazing things, and one of their latest initiatives is a self-service supplier that actually ensures that every company in the legal industry can gain visibility into the diversity of their supplier network and, as an added bonus, use sourcing to make it more equitable and inclusive. So you hit all three within one. Two, by designing a compelling new hire experience that equips employees for success, you, within legal operations, can build a team of effective, compliant, and energized members. You see, through an effective program, legal operations can create that strong sense of culture where employees feel recognized, appreciated, and energized. And I know I've heard this as a rebuttal to my retittle to my retattle more often than not. I know what you're thinking, but where's the data in that? Well, look, look at those attrition rates. Look at employee productivity. That's where you'll find the real data points and a win for diversity, inclusion, and equity within the legal operations ecosystem. And three, girl, don't just talk about having a diverse outside counsel. Actually follow through. It's the one thing I preach the most. We cannot have outside counsel billing guidelines if we aren't actually following the words on paper. When we say we require outside counsel to achieve spend DNI metrics in their ownership, in their recruiting, and in their support, it's not just because they submit accruals on time. This is about actually understanding who the billable person is, what the billable hour is worth, and who you're supporting and staffing on these matters. And if they don't, be prepared to cut them loose. Look, if you want a real problem, you're going to need real numbers to fix it. That's the point of legal operations. And if you're not willing to set real numbers, then maybe you're not real serious about diversity, inclusion, and equity initiatives, and ultimately their impact on the money you give to outside counsel and law firms. Debbie, girl. I know it may be challenging to know where to start when it comes to the topic of diversity, inclusion, and equity within the legal operations landscape. And often, we feel as though it's an icky word 
that's really hard to talk about, especially when we don't relate. But think about this. Close your eyes for a second. Imagine a place where the lessons we learn about diversity at work actually transform the things legal operations accomplishes, the way that we empower our employees to think, and ultimately the initiatives that we support with our company's money outside of the legal ecosystem. That is what happens if this growing legal operations community continues to band together to fix what's broken. Stay hungry, stay happy, and ask questions if you want to know more. Do not give up the needle just because you feel like you're not part of the community. Ultimately, we're all rooted in the same foundation and we want to support each other. And in doing so, we can continue to move the needle in the conversations when it comes to diversity, inclusion, and equity initiatives within the legal operations community. This episode is made possible by our sponsor, Legal.io. Legal.io is the fastest growing community and marketplace for legal talent. Legal.io connects legal professionals to resources and opportunities at the world's leading in-house departments and firms. Legal.io is the launchpad for legal careers, matching legal ops professionals, attorneys, paralegals, and so many other legal professionals at some of the world's most exciting companies with a level of precision that only a data-driven, vertical-specific marketplace can provide. Supported by significant investors like Tiger Global, Legal.io is redefining the legal workspace. If you want to learn about the enterprise marketplace solution for legal talent, access salary surveys with compensation data as unique as you, and join their vibrant in-house legal community, visit www.legal.io. That's L-E-G-A-L dot I-O. Legal.io, your gateway to a global legal talent marketplace designed with the legal operations community in mind. Our second letter today comes from Crazy and Cuckoo for CLM Puffs. Our crazy listener writes, Dear Legal Ops, I've been tasked with a tall order of rolling out a CLM. At first, I was excited to embark on this journey. Turns out, less than eight hours into this French vanilla fantasy, I'm feverishly searching for that eject button. To top it off, my business partners are putting up a fight and have a different view of which cherry to put on top of this Sunday. Help! How do I successfully navigate the cold, treacherous waters of CLM implementations and come out on top? Well, crazy and cuckoo for CLM puffs, I have got a big bowl and some milk for you to dive right in. For many of our listeners, CLM is a well-known topic. But I'm going to be frank. I am over-talking about CLM. One of the most saturated and I get it, well-funded areas of legal tech on the market, contract lifecycle management is a core asset for in-house legal teams. But girl, it's more polarizing than the green dot versus the blue dot company. So let's break it down as we sip on some of that delicious CLM Chardonnay. What is a CLM? Lord, I thought you'd never ask. 
CLM stands for Contract Lifecycle Management, and it's a SaaS solution. When we say SaaS, it's not sassy. It's SaaS, or Software as a Service. It's built to centralize and automate all of the steps and processes that go into reviewing, negotiating, and signing contracts. Now that's quite the mouthful. So think of it this way. CLM covers any and all contract types, from offer letters to NDAs to complex agreements. Okay, now that we know what CLM is, what do we have to have? And I'm not talking about getting that new car that's an electric plug-in, but we're also not talking about going back to that trusty but rusty Toyota. What do you actually need to succeed if you're going to pull the trigger and say, CLM falls under my watch and my department's dime? Look, at the end of the day, there are two main reasons why you'd want to jump into that crazy catfished pond and snatch up a CLM system. Efficiency and security. So when we talk about efficiency, we're talking about CLM systems that can standardize and automate those high-volume, low-risk contracting tasks. So specifically here, we're going to call out NDAs. And they ultimately free up the team to focus on that specialized work and proactively identify ways that you can improve. So ways that CLMs can be efficient are click wrap, embedded playbooks, the ability to track and identify unmarked changes, internal chat features, yada, yada, yada. Look, we're just talking about ways that make your life easier and smoother. But when it comes to efficiency, you can't forget about the core tenet of being a responsible legal operations profession when purchasing technology, security. So your CLM, when it comes to the second part of this pond, security, it has to centralize all the conversations, all the approvals, the signatures, the data in a single secure site. So you can integrate and play with those AIs and secondary storage services for your added assurance. But with the AI-enabled repositories and customizable reporting features, the CLM has to allow your legal operations or commercial team to track and identify areas of risk for the business. So no more of that cost center talk here. That's the importance of security. Okay, now that we've talked dirty data, fear not, dear legal ops listeners, this episode is about to get right to the point. We aren't going to sit here and tell you to go out and purchase a CLM system tomorrow. We'd literally never see you again. <laughs> so let's dive right into the blunt feedback about what works and what doesn't surrounding this mysterious world of CLM. One, pre-SIG versus post-SIG. TLDR, this terrible, terrible trouble plaguing the legal operations community is as simple as TLDR. So the contract lifecycle consists of stages of activities that can be classified as either pre-signature or post-signature. A CLM offers functionalities that supports each of these stages. So when it comes to pre-signature, we're talking about intaking, redlining and reviewing, and approvals. When it comes to post-signature, we're talking about what happens after you sign it. The storage, the archiving, the auditing, the reporting, the renewals. And lordy, all those terminations because we didn't need it in the first place. So TLDR, 
pre-signature, triage, and library. Pre-signature goals should include a triage where you can have your workload requiring an intake system, making it easy for Brenda, who continuously asks you for the 55th time, how do I get that NDA? Pre-signature triaging goals focuses on short workflows, simple how-tos, and a clean interface. And the second part of that pre-signature goal, a library. Buying a CLM means not a damn thing, Pam. If you don't have a standardized library of contract templates and negotiating playbooks that your team is adopting uniformly. So one half of the TLDR, pre-sig, TL, triage and library. The second part, post-signature. And remember, post-signature again is storage and archive, auditing and reporting, renewals and terminations. So the DR of TLDR post-sig is data and reports. With data, once you centralize and archive your contracts, that's where mama's milk can be made. This is where you either get your team a win or mess it up. It takes a lot of investment on the front end to determine what key data points you need to record for each contract. And I don't care what your vendor is telling you. The AI won't do this for you. You can't just throw it in a scanner. Legacy uploads are a lengthy manual process, even if you use AI-enabled tech. But invest the time now to reap the benefits later. And the R, report. Once you have the data in hand, you need to become a storyteller. It's up to you and your legal operations vision to demonstrate the savings and risk management wins of your team. But more often than not, we're using reporting within legal operations to identify gaps and areas for improvement. And that is the story that you want to tell to your business stakeholders. So once again, when it comes to the terrible plague of pre-SIG versus post-SIG, just remember, TL or DR? Number two, how do you balance picking a CLM and then not freaking out over how much work it will actually take to deploy it? The answer, girl, pick a new profession. <laughs> I kid, I kid. Many of us have not figured the answer out to this question. But going back into your RFP with the right expectations can be a really good starting point and helps more often than not. So if you haven't gotten to the RFP stage or if you've collected all of them, Think about talking to your peers and getting customer feedback, but not through your vendor's referrals, before signing that paper. This will set you up with a realistic idea of how long it'll take to build workflows, archive legacy documents, build training materials, map out integrations. I'm literally done talking about CLM. <laughs> but think about it. You should have a sandbox environment that you get to play with. That's what this community is for. A vendor taking you out to dinner won't alleviate the pain points of a failed implementation months down the road if you don't balance and figure out how to get fast feedback and how long it will actually take to deploy. Then it's really on you to set expectations with your customers, your managers, and your stakeholders. And I don't care if that vendor told you in the demo that they are up and running in two weeks. That does not mean that you got to send yourself into an early grave trying to meet that deadline. 
take your time mapping it out and let your company know that you're taking an approach best suited to ensure successful change management. And you can thank us later. Number three, what happens when a CLM company sells you a bill of goods and then when you renew, those damn fools change up the terms and jack up that price? Well, there's a few ways to counteract this. If you have a procurement department already, I am disclaiming now that you should be working with them before, during, and after to circumvent situations like this. I mean, you could sign a longer term, which I guess incentivizes the CLM to get fixed or discounted pricing, but you may be overlooking negotiating important terms that ultimately gives the vendor more power more ways to dangle over your head. Hey, we've had you over the last three years and we're now going to charge you $100,000 more and not give you any more services. Having a well-versed legal operations, commercial, and procurement team looking at negotiating those terms, that helps you in the long run so that maybe your vendor has to give you more advance notice before they switch up that pricing model because no one really likes those kind of surprises. And if you're 15 days away from renewal, we know who has the leverage here. And hint, it ain't that blue dot or green dot company. Because really at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is build an illegal ecosystem that feeds off of each other and looks out for each other. So if you're having a hard time negotiating or renewing that fixed pricing that then turns into a price per user... Think about what you're willing to give up as a negotiating trade, just like you're trying to negotiate your own contract. There isn't going to be any, let's put up this wall and make the other person climb over it and go through this treacherous war so that we just continue to have the same CLM as we did before. Nobody wins with those war antics. Ultimately, at the end of the day, if you have a company that sells you a bill of goods and then is changing those terms, ask them how they can work with you so you can sell the value of them in lieu of being able to dump them for something cheaper. That will show them that you're dedicated to their product, you're dedicated to their mission, but you're just asking them to support you in something that came up last minute. I bet that you'll actually get a lot better results than trying to say, have it our way or the highway. I'd like to thank Debbie and Crazy and Cuckoo for their diverse yet different topics today. And speaking of such, you know, watching from the sidelines has never really been my strong suit. I was asked by a family member recently, hey, grandma, hi, the why behind Dear Legal Ops. And among my top responses was to be involved in this growing professional ecosystem and tackle tough topics when far too many of us are questioning if our own opinions and beliefs matter, both in and out of the workplace. Within our comfy confines of this podcast, we believe that you not only owe it to yourself to become mindful and involved, but also to your peers that may not have had the same privilege as you. Here at Dear Legal Ops, we feel that more than ever, especially amid the tragic events of Colorado Springs and countless others before, we shouldn't turn a blind eye to disastrous shortcomings. Whether you're struggling with a failed CLM implementation, recently laid off and knocked down while at the top of your game, 
or struggling to show up as your authentic self in the workplace as an LGBTQ plus member, now is the time to dig deeper to find and release your brilliance. It's often easier to give into fear during times of uncertainty. Speaking personally now, I've often found that leaning more into honest and transparent conversations fuel the fire and over time shift courageous conversations into real action. So yes, there is indeed hope after all these dark times. As we pay remembrance to those recently lost in Colorado Springs, remember your voice is a powerful tool for the good. Don't be afraid to use your voice, but remember how you express your viewpoints is a direct reflection upon how people experience who you are and what you represent as a team member and an individual. Your voice defines the value you bring to your organization, law firm, or corporate law department. Make sure to take the temperature of your identity to make sure it is not misrepresented. And as you mature in your career, so should your voice. For some people, they never find their voice because they didn't have the courage to create one. And I'll be the first to admit, it takes time, a lot of hard work, and often heartbreak. And then you can only truly find the voice that defines you. Be more vocal, test your ideas, and take note about how people react to them. The workplace is not about winning popularity contests. It's about winning the respect of your peers because you're able to lead people and help grow the organization's value with your voice. Because if our LGBTQ plus community is not safe behind the closed doors of a gay bar, then we're not safe anywhere. So on behalf of Dear Legal Ops, I ask that we mutually respect each other, love each other, and support each other within this community during times of uncertainty. We will fight until we're safe everywhere. For more Dear Legal Ops content, make sure to follow us on all social media using the handle at Dear Legal Ops. Have a tough legal ops topic you want us to tackle? Share your legal ops stories with us at dearlegalops.com slash submit for a chance to be featured on the show. Dear Legal Ops is produced by Red Rock Music. As always, I'm your host, Tom Stevenson. Until next time.